This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Have you ever met someone who just can't admit when they're wrong? I mean, no one really likes to do it, but at some point, you just have to own your own mistake, repent of it, and start over. Otherwise, you'll just be headed down a road that leads to destruction. That's a bit like where the children of Israel find themselves as we begin our study into the ministry of Joel today. It's a people who are ravaged by the effects of their own rebellion. And as tough as it is to admit, the best thing they can do is just own it, repent, and start over. We'll see it all unfold together today on the podcast from Joel chapter number 1, verse 12 to 14 reads, The grapevine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the date palm, and the apple, all the trees of the orchard, have withered. Indeed, human joy has dried up. Dress in sackcloth and lament, you priest. Wail, you ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, because grain and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Announce a sacred fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The book of Joel is a call to confession and repentance as God's people languish amid the punishment of God for their sin. We don't know precisely when the book occurs because it does not mention any specific nations involved in God's judgment, nor does it specifically mention the sin that incited this judgment on them. However, the book fits well here during this period because it describes the conditions surrounding the imminent captivity of God's people following the ministry of Isaiah and Hosea. We know from these prophets that the people were entangled in alliances with Assyria and Egypt and Babylon. They had mistakenly put their trust in these nations despite God's repeated warnings against making these alliances. From the beginning of their entrance into the land of promise, Moses and Joshua, and later Samuel, had all warned the people from making these agreements with other nations as affiliation with them would lure them into sinful idolatry. Despite the repeated warnings, Israel spurned the pleas of God's men not to do this. Just as Moses and Joshua had predicted, the people longed to be like the pagans in every way. They wanted men as their leaders and not God. They began to worship the gods of these nations. And God had sent prophet after prophet to warn them of the coming judgment, but they refused to listen. God even sent prophets like Isaiah to them, knowing that they would would not listen, thereby sealing their fate. So God sends Joel to a people who are suffering the effects of this rebellion. At the beginning of the chapter, and really in the whole book, Joel describes how locusts have come and consumed the bountiful blessings of God on the land. This poetic reference describes how the people's rebellion has robbed them of the good of the land. 
Remember, God had promised to bless them, provided they abide by the covenant made first with Moses and then with Joshua and David and Solomon. Solomon had made it clear to the people that God would bless them with prosperity, provided they continued to worship him and remain devoted to him. But he also warned them that if they turned away from following after God, nations would rise up to steal from them God's blessing and carry them away into slavery and captivity. And this pilfering and the coming captivity is precisely what has occurred. The land lays barren following the ravages of these nations. The locusts of other armies have come to plunder the goodness of God that they had experienced. Their idolatry had opened the door for the enemy to steal, then to kill, and then to destroy what God had given them. Verse 5 tells the people, Wake up, you drunkards. Weep. Mourn for a nation has invaded with the teeth of a lion. Whoever this nation was, likely Assyria, that national power devastated the grapevines of God's blessings and splintered the tree, stripping its bark. In verse 9, there is no worship in God's temple. The fields are destroyed and the land grieves. They consumed the grain. The wine had dried up and the oil had failed. The harvest had perished. The grapevine had dried up. All the trees had withered. The text even says that human joy has dried up. All of these images evoke a grim picture of the reality of God's judgment on the people's rebellion. So what were they to do? How should they respond under the hand of God's judgment on their sin? Well, the text tells us, starting with the priest, the ministers of God, and then the elders and the residents of the land, the people were to lament and wail, spend the night in sackcloth and ashes. This act was a physical custom of a formal grief and repentance nationally. They were to fast and proclaim an assembly whereby the elders and residents could cry out to the Lord because of their sin. They were to confess that sin before God. Things had gotten so bad there was nothing left to do but repent. The storehouses were dried up and in ruin. The harvest had withered away. The cattle wandered in confusion. Even the sheep and goats were suffering. Joel cries out to the Lord. And the animals there cry out to God as well to save them under the severe judgment of God on their sin. What these people needed to do was repent. Now, the character of God has not changed. He hasn't changed his mind about how he feels about sin and idolatry. And really for us, looking back on this, one look at the cross should remind us of the cost of our sin. It should speak to us of the grave nature of our idolatry and the fierce wrath of God poured out on it. The idols that we clutch in our hearts today are just as apparent. And we need to see our fixation on these things as the alliances that pull at our devotion to God. We need to remember the cost of our redemption from these worthless things and to see the wrath of God poured out on Jesus because we lusted after these pagan idols. The cost of such judgment poured out on Jesus on our behalf should cause us to weep and mourn. We should be the ones donning the sackcloth and ashes now. Just as the people witnessed the wrath of God's judgment 
on their sin and that became the impetus for their repentance, it should be the same for us now. Because as we see God's wrath poured out on Jesus on our behalf, should that judgment not call us to grieve and mourn over our sin? Should it not compel us to let go of the idols that incited such wrath? Should it not motivate us to confess our lust for these things and to return to the arms of the faithful lover of our souls who went through such links to redeem us? Should we not repent of the idolatry of our own heart and pledge ourselves wholly to the God who is himself holy? This wide-scale repentance was the proper response to beholding such judgment on the land for Israel. And it is the appropriate response to beholding such judgment on Jesus for us. So Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. We marvel at your grace. And yet we dare not presume upon it, returning to the idols from which you have redeemed us. We repent and confess such lust for the things of this pagan world. Forgive us for our immorality, our greed, our envy, our passion for the gods of entertainment and anything else that tempt us from dividing our loyalty that you so rightly deserve. May our hearts cry out to you as the thought of the bitter cup of God's wrath that you drank on the cross for our sin. May we respond with grief, confession, and repentance as we reflect upon the judgment of God poured out on Jesus because of our sin. And may we reflect on all that that cost. And may that reflection motivate our devotion to you today. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.